spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 159th annual Subliminal Reception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Ah, not doing too bad. I wanted to kick this off with a question for you. Now, I know you're not as into reading books and stuff as I am, but have you ever read a book about a athlete or like an autobiography about an athlete or anything? Uh, not so much athletes, uh, more world leaders. But uh, thank you for throwing shade there right at the beginning of the episode. But no, no, I haven't uh, read any athletes' uh, biographies. Look, I'm not throwing shade. <laughs> I'm saying that <laughs> a lot of people just reading it like they don't. A lot of people don't like it because you have TV and stuff, you know. And I, I totally get it. So I've had this book my dad gave me probably like five or six years ago. It's about Bud Grant. You're familiar with him? I believe. Was he crime and sports? No, 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 no. No? Oh, okay. He no, was, then, I had, then I have no idea. Okay. Through when the Vikings went to like all the Super Bowls in like the late 60s, 70s, he was the head coach. Okay. So, gotcha. So it's like a biography about him. And this is the, I think the first autobiography I've ever read about like an athlete or like a coach or someone like kind of famous i guess and uh had a lot of accolades or whatever so i'm reading it and i'm noticing a pattern of where he's always kind of the hero of the story where like he's always is like accomplishing something great even though it's like the most mundane of activities and i can't tell if that is just like if you're going to be a nfl head coach a very good one, like you just got to have that mentality or if you're like a world-class athlete or whatever, you got to have the mentality that no matter what you do, you're like excellent at it. For most like modest people, it's kind of like weird to read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I wonder how much of that also had to do with the writer who was it an autobiography or was it just a biography written by someone else? Okay. I'm going to say this. I'm not entirely sure, but if you read it, It reads like an old man wrote a book about himself, which this came out in 2013. And I think he would have been in his 70s, 80s, maybe at that time. When you read it, it's like, yes, an old man who doesn't know that certain words aren't supposed to be used anymore (laughs) wrote that book. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. So. Okay, so if he was the head coach, that must have meant he was a pretty young head coach. Yeah. If he was still alive in like 2013. Okay. Yeah. Um, was it, I don't know, it, when you were talking about that, kind of in my mind, you know, he finished the Grand Slam at Denny's and he kind of walked out of there like a champion. It's kind of like <laughs> how you were putting it almost. I, honest to God, it wasn't that different. He's like talking because he's a big hunter he's known for being a hunter or whatever you know outdoorsman 
And when he's talking about being a child hunting things, it's always like, oh, I had a 22 and I just had corpses lined up like bodies <laughs> everywhere. Like, come on, man. I mean, I don't know. He's Minnesota royalty, obviously, but yeah, it's like, I don't know, man. Maybe you're just being a little generous with your storytelling. You know what else I forgot? If you want to get an idea for his age, he was on the Minneapolis Lakers when they won a championship. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was goddamn. I mean, I think the Lakers moved in what the maybe like the sixties. Yeah. He, so I think he was in the Navy, uh, 18 years old in the Navy in 1945. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he would have been probably older than 70 in yeah, he'd have been almost 90 in 2013 if he, he was 18 years old. I mean, he he's pretty fucking old. You can, you know, he'll make appearances and stuff, and he just kind of looks like a grumpy old man. So it's kind of oh, funny. Yeah. But uh, I remember it was a playoff game from, I think, like four or five years ago. It was the game where they were playing in Minnesota, and that day it was negative seven, and they were playing at the Gophers stadium because they didn't have theirs built yet this motherfucker comes out as an old ass man with short sleeves on just walks out and does the coin toss or whatever <laughs> he's like he's a tough either he can't feel anything his like skin's so wrinkly and old he can't feel shit or i i don't know He's, He's just your average Minnesotan yeah. wearing fucking <laughs> wearing a t-shirt and jeans during a fucking blizzard. And it's not that cold. I've seen colder. It, it's actually pretty funny to watch, but uh, but yeah, yeah, he. I was just curious because I know you like wrestling and stuff. I never, I didn't know if you ever read like one of their autobiographies or something. No, because of uh, well, because of all the history classes I've taken i've read quite a few like historical like biographies of like you know leaders presidents that kind of thing i've read quite a few of those most of the books that i read though are you know i like sci-fi and yeah. i like kind of like the fantasy style books so really like unless it's kind of about history like a biography in that sense i really don't really don't you know pay much attention to it but yeah i mean listening to crime and sports some of those dudes are pretty interesting <laughs> yeah. but you got to think too you wouldn't get into that position unless you thought that your dick was the biggest in the yeah. room yeah every single any room you walked into any situation you got to be thinking this fucking hammer can break through a table <laughs> you know what i mean you got to be thinking that well so. here's uh one quick thing here like you said the historical books like leaders presidents i would assume almost all the time those have to be written not by the person themselves, but like someone who's an expert on the life of that person. Yes. I mean, I really don't like to read kind of like, I don't like to read biographies. Like say, God, I mean, maybe JFK would be like the youngest of like the biographies, you know. Um, I wouldn't want to read a biography of anyone past like 1970. Like a biography on like, you know, I did an episode on Nixon and it's almost like you can kind of like put yourself in the because they have like, you know, TV, they have cars, they have everything like that. It's not you can't really like put yourself way back into history like I like to. Right. So I really like uh, my favorite ones. Catherine the Great, uh, Alexander, 
you know, kind of like Caesar, kind of like those types, Napoleon, kind of like the, the big wigs of, you know, fucking tyrants in history. So <laughs> those have to be some thick ass fucking books too, huh? Oh yeah. I've got a few of them on my shelf. They're all, they're on the top shelf. The, the fattest fucking books. Yeah. yeah. Those are pretty renowned people throughout history. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But anyway, I'll let you take the floor here. Lead us into uh, this week's episode. Throughout history, the needs of the many have always outweighed those of the few, especially when those few happen to be the most vulnerable amongst us. Those whose rights have either been stripped away from them or perhaps even never awarded to them in the first place with the powerful decision makers creating policy and processes that often inadvertently and sometimes purposefully trample the well-being of the lowest rungs of society in an effort to maximize what was thought to be, of course, the greater good for the whole of society. Now, for many of society's most vulnerable in the past century, this meant being the lab rat in a variety of dangerous and life-altering experiments, oftentimes without knowledge of the dangers, or sometimes even the knowledge that they were a part of this experiment at all. Okay, now let's just say nowadays. Do you think if people sign up for these types of things, they tell them what they're signing up for, or just like, you're signing up for this, take it, you get some cash? Well, if it comes to something like medical, like if you are experimenting with a vaccine or a drug, they have to lay it out pretty thick for you. If it's a psychological test, they can tell you whatever they want because they don't want to hinder the, you know, the result of the test. If you tell a person that they are involved in a psychological test and the parameters of that test, then you're not going to have any real results because it's going to affect the outcome. So that situation, they have usually they have no idea like what the experiment is. They might think that they're in for an experiment for, you know, oh, you're taste testing this new type of brownie that this company's making when really they're testing on your patients because the lady who's supposed to bring in the brownies and your paycheck never fucking shows up. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of psychological thing, you know, the swerve. basically. Right. <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to medical shit, they have to lay it out pretty well for yeah by law i always was curious about the like the types of like trials and stuff because sometimes they're so specific about who it affects they're like if you take this pill for you have bad flatulence if you're a pregnant woman between 16 to 20 weeks pregnant there's a high risk of dying like how do they know in these very specific parameters, like where do they even find that specific person to test the shit on? Well, they probably tested it mostly on animals. Yeah. So they probably, I mean, if it killed a female pig while she was about that pregnant, that would kind of, you know, go into like how closely related like pigs and humans are. They could kind of see like, okay, well, you know, not to be disparaging towards any, you know, pregnant women out there yeah, not calling you a pig at all but what i'm saying is like they do a lot of testing on animals that have a lot of the similar systems that humans do so if it really badly affected a pregnant pig then it would probably affect negatively a pregnant woman right right that's like when uh the covid vaccine was coming out they tested it on lab rats and they became democratic voters right phil 
They became woke warriors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Out there, out there uh, chanting and shit. Yep, exactly. Uh, anyway. I'm more than happy to pay for Biden's high gas prices. <laughs> did you see the now, video of him riding a bike and he just like tips over? Yes, I did. He oh blamed it God. on the fucking, uh, the things that kind of like keep your feet in. He blamed it on those things, but he did totally get his foot on the ground and like he just fell over. Like I, I have been in a situation before where my foot got caught on the pedals and it is pretty fucking scary. He did fucking fall over pretty yeah, bad. I, when I watched that, you know, I was like, oh, I've definitely done that shit before. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it happens. It's one of those things that if you ride bikes, it's probably happened, you know, to everybody who does it. But it just happened to be when the cameras were on, like he had come to a stop so that he could talk to people who had cameras. Like, it was just horrible timing for what that do you, situation. Okay. Uh, what do you think you've gotten more injured on a bike or a skateboard? Ooh, um... I would say when it comes to my shins, a bike, <laughs> because I've definitely been fucking banged by foot pedals. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to falling down, skateboard. Yeah. Hitting the smallest little pebble, you're going ass over tea kettle, goddamn face first into the ground. Yeah. That's not good to Scorpion. Uh, the, yeah, the skateboard pushed me out of ever riding it again from getting hurt too many times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, during the early to mid 20th century, Government-backed scientists and pharmaceutical corporations were eating through funding, trying to make breakthroughs that would either serve the common good or, of course, more importantly, make a hefty profit. Though, with the outset of the First and Second World Wars, the focus of the world's most powerful nations turned to the war effort, with less and less importance being put on the human rights and dignities that hopefully we all hold true today with the worst examples coming from, of course, the Axis powers during World War II. Or at least the U.S. won't admit to that, them doing horrific shit. That's what I would say. Obviously, we know um, whom you were speaking of in their fucked up experiments on people. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the U.S. was doing... I'm going to go into... Okay. How fucked up. This episode's mostly about the U.S. Okay. But, I mean, I'm going to go into that, but kind of, you know, the Japanese and the Germans, the, the Nazis specifically, were doing fucking terrible experiments on prisoners of war and, you know, just people that they considered lower races. And it's not just the Nazis who were really bad when it came to the belief in eugenics. The Japanese also consider them the superior Asian race. Yeah. So they considered Chinese people, Korean people, Southeast Asian, just pretty much considered them like lower humans if they were human at all. Right. Compared to them. Unit, uh, what is it, 527? No. Something like that. We'll have to yeah. do an episode on there, but yeah, that's that's basically all of that. I don't know if you're going to go into this particular section because I know there was a, a vaccine America developed kind of around here. And oddly enough, it was in <laughs> the fucking book I was reading mentioning polio, right? Okay. He he was talking about all that. I don't know that much about polio, but apparently he might have had it at one point and then got better. But because of polio, one leg was was deformed versus the other one. Have you ever heard this shit before? Yeah, there has been, I'm actually going to uh, okay. mention the man who is responsible for curing polio, but okay. there is a, uh, there's a ton of people in the past who were either 
paralyzed or severely handicapped due to polio, including FDR, who was president during the, you know, Great Depression, World War II. Yep. I, uh, speaking of FDR, anybody out there want to get disgusted? On Hulu, it's a documentary about the Boy Scouts called Leave No Trace. Oh, okay. uh, I just know that because it has like the presidents with the Boy Scouts and is about boys getting molested in the Boy Scouts. And it's one of the most disgusting documentaries I've ever watched. So Yeah, I actually, I just watched that fundamentalist Mormon documentary that you were telling me. I got about into one and a half episodes and it was pretty fucking disgusting. So yeah. I'll tell you what, that Boy Scouts one's about 10 times worse. Really? It's bad. The kind of people that it attracts, you know, to it. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Now, though... Really, I mean, we did just talk a lot about how horrible the Nazis and the Japanese were during the, you know, the world wars. But like you did mention, the United States is not exactly immune to any sort of criticism when it came to human rights violations, especially that when it came to medical experiments. And that'll actually be the topic for today's episode, as we will be discussing the horrific past of America's pursuit to medical breakthroughs at the cost of its own perceived high ground. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few stories. I I think medical things or like older medical things is another one of like my favorite subjects to learn about. Probably going to be talking about more of the darker side of it, but uh, yes. it's just fascinating how people's belief system worked with what they thought was actually like helping people. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. And what people's, when they really wanted something like these scientists, they really wanted to prove something or to figure something out, uh, the lengths that they would go and just how much of their ethics, you know, supposedly these people with superior intellect and all this ethical, you know, back and forth. But really when it came down to it, they just let a lot of shit kind of just slide. Yeah. I I think sometimes you get, I would assume if you're so passionate about trying to solve whatever, sometimes you kind of get too focused on it and just all else be damned or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, you're going full throttle. You're in it. You know, you're in for a pound. You're in for a penny, pretty much kind of deal. In for a penny, in for a pound. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, it's. It's pretty, I mean, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about, it's pretty horrific. Uh, They really, though, just kind of thought that they were just doing the work, you know? Right, right. Now, beginning in the 19th century, an explosion occurred when it came to the emphasis put on scientific research, with discoveries and achievements coming more and more often than any time in human history, only accelerating into the early 20th century when a new belief would begin to take hold on the world's scientific community. This belief was known as eugenics, which would reinforce the prejudices of many scientists and have dire consequences on the treatment of so-called undesirables for decades to come. Yeah, this is... Eugenics is pretty fucking bad. Like, really bad. It's funny because when I went to the Scientology Museum... Who do you think they blamed eugenics on? Oh, Jesus. Ah, oh, God. Scientologists. I, I imagine psychiatrists. Yes, exactly. Yes, Number- psych- <laughs> yeah. You get those. Whenever you say, who do you, who did the, who did the Scientologists blame it on? If you say psychologists, you're probably about 90% of the time going to be right. 
number one enemy of the Scientology. It's a weird person to pick as the basically their devil, but I guess it would be somebody who probably has a good chance of unbrainwashing those who they talk to. So, uh, yeah, I can see why they're in it. It's just funny. Because the the museum's awesome, like it's designed great, even though it's pure propaganda, and they're talking about eugenics, and then it's basically as it was a psychologist did this and that, and it's just it's yeah. great. I would recommend it to anybody. Just don't put your name or email address or phone number anywhere on any form that they give you. Definitely. Oh yeah, that's honestly any store that you go into that wants your phone number or your email. That's good advice for them too. Just don't give it to anyone. But definitely, I could see with the psychiatrists and the therapists, you know, believing that they're evil. Anyone who's going to call you crazy for believing anything that L. Ron Hubbard wrote down, yeah, they're probably going to be against that person. But speaking of, you know, despicable people and beliefs, <laughs> eugenics was an invention of the late 19th century, and its supporters had claimed that humankind was really just kind of passing on these bad traits. Uh, these traits though they claimed would be easily eliminated through selective breeding, with pseudosciences popping up to support these beliefs, setting up the theory that these flaws had been passed on from parents to child through generations of poor breeding. One of these pseudosciences was called phrenology, which was a practice in which a person's head was examined by a phrenologist, this person would actually try to read the bumps found on the skull, and these bumps would supposedly reveal information about a person's character and tendencies. These were often used as an excuse for certain races of people to experience further prejudice and suffer forced sterilization at times. Yeah, phrenology coming from when I did Bumblebee, you did the true crime thing. Phrenology, when you had a criminal or something... Yeah, they they always were like, oh, he had a lot of bumps on his head. He he had a tendency for violence. I could tell by the bumps on his head. Oh, definitely. If you had a big head, you might as well have been a serial killer. I I kind of remember that one. Like, they didn't like people with big heads. Yeah, so they really looked for traits that you pretty much can figure out who were the people that were checking for bumps on the head. They, They were looking for traits that were not, anything alike what they had pretty much so kind of you know the germans kind of did it with the the whole like aryan race is superior and all of that they were they were looking at any traits that were found in other races and kind of claiming that those were the bad ones like a lot of the italian immigrants coming to the country didn't really have a lot when they came to america and some of them were involved in crime so basically i said oh well italians are involved in crime italians have kind of like this feature on their face so anyone with that feature on their face or their head must be a criminal basically it was kind of like circular reasoning okay now i i don't know for didn't know for certain but phrenology is a section of eugenics or it kind of uses the same principles i guess you would say as eugenics where you're trying to identify what you deem to be flaws well it's like a separate so okay okay so eugenics is all about like selective breeding and kind of getting certain people trying to get them out of the breeding pool phrenology is a kind of like the study of bumps on the head 
It's kind of like, you know, any other doctor who studies like a different part of the body. Right. You know, right. They're they're not it's it's not like they're out there, you know, talking about selective breeding, but they are basically looking for bumps on the head, trying to figure out, you know, certain traits in people. And it's the eugenics movement kind of used phrenology. Right. Okay. I I see. I see what you're saying. Now, I guess you can give eugenics one piece of credit that flaws are passed down through your parents, but obviously you don't need to be killed or exterminated for that. What bad trait did you get from your parents, Phil? I got my my mom's bad teeth. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, God, I mean, it's called the OPAT knees. Uh, basically our knees are shot by the time we're about my age actually so the opat knees um yeah just uh oh my mom so you get your hairline from your mom's dad and my grandfather who actually passed away earlier this year he was bald all the way back down to his neck so yeah i've got uh i'm gonna be rocking that in about 20 years so you know what i'm i'm just holding it because mine's slowly creeping to I'm hoping when we get a little older, like the hair transplant technology will be a lot cheaper than it is yeah. now. And like we can do something. Usually they start out expensive and slowly go down, and get more reasonable. So hopefully by then we'll be able to afford to have a sweet fucking haircut put on our head or sweet hairline put on there. Yeah. Bill Gates is holding back the cure. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> Allegedly, of course. Allegedly. It's not it's not Jeff Bezos. He's as bald as a fucking yeah. <laughs> as he's, an eight ball. He's looking but... for it, too. Oh, definitely. Oh, Jeff Bezos has billions of dollars. How many of those billions do you think you would give up for a full luscious head of hair? Probably like, a lot all of it. Uh, probably <laughs> a lot. Unless he likes to think of himself as a Lex Luthor type oh, just character. About that. Yeah. Because he does look like him. That would be hilarious if he went on vacation for like a month, came back, and his hair was just all grown out. Like, no, no, I shave it down that close just for, you know, because I feel like it. Yeah. No, I have great hair, actually. (laughs) After World War II, the idea of eugenics would actually pretty much die out uh, throughout the world after being forever linked to Nazis in Germany. And, of course, the murder of millions that took place under Hitler's regimes. Though, even with the dying out of eugenics, an entire generation of American scientists had been brought up with the belief that human experimentation on people considered undesirable by society, voluntary or not, was an acceptable practice for advancing scientific research. I mean, this is pretty well displayed. If anybody's watched the documentary Hollow Man, um, do you remember that one? Yes, I do. I definitely do. He actually, he did experiment on himself in that document. I think so. that's still illegal, is it not? Um, ooh, that's kind of questionable <laughs> to experiment on yourself. So there are some people who are trying to do the CRISPR style uh, experimentations on themselves, trying to change their own genes, gene manipulation. They're doing it on themselves. The problem is they're doing it in their mom's basement, you know, trying to get the Hulk Hogan body, you know. <laughs> Even though they have the mean Gene Okerlund body right now. so Honestly, though, if we could learn how to tell our dumb shit cells to do what we want them to, man, you could revolutionize all sorts of medicine or all sorts oh, of ailments. Yeah, definitely. But sometimes your, 
your cells are just, you know, they don't want to do what uh, you want them to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of shitty. Some people like CRISPR in, I think, kind of like gene therapy, it can really help people. Problem is they're going to try to profit off of it and you're going to get a Gattaca situation <laughs> where basically if you're if if you're like a natural birth or a person who didn't have any you know, genetic manipulation when you were born, you're pretty much going to become like a second class citizen, even though you're perfectly fine. See, so. I always envisioned our future more of a rebrand hellscape. Definitely, me too. <laughs> Hellraiser, uh, but no, I uh, repo men. You remember that movie? Yes, where they were basically uh, people couldn't pay for their like physical enhancements, so they were getting them like ripped out of them. Yeah, basically. No matter what, you were getting these organs or whatever put inside of you to keep you alive, but you'd be in so much debt that you can never pay it, so they would just kill you, basically, and take back their organs. So, just kind yeah, of like the... Eventually, they would come and get their heart. Yeah, you're like back, in a perpetual debt, kind of, as America likes to keep its citizens right now. Oh, definitely. Yep. Now, during the early 1960s, Many questions about the effects of radiation on the human body had persisted. This would accelerate ever more with the advent of space explorations and what really came along with it, the inherent unknowns when it came to cosmic radiation. Also, there was the growing use of nuclear radiation as fuel for energy plants and, of course, the ever-present risk of an accidental or purposeful nuclear strike. This would result in a study of how radiation affected the male reproductive system. This would involve the preeminent researcher in endocrinology, Dr. Carl Heller, and was actually funded by the Atomic Energy Commission. The funding would end up totaling $1.12 million over 10 years. I mean, not too bad for 1960. Also, Phil, I actually know somebody who sees a endocrinologist for their thyroid. So obviously I'm assuming that doctor is not as I'm assuming evil as Mr. Dr. Carl Heller. Well, I'm not sure exactly how evil Carl Heller was. He might've been just a bit too, uh, as we'll, as we'll be finding out in a little bit here. Uh, yeah, so an endocrinologist is someone who studies kind of like the glands and organs of the human body that produce hormones. So yeah, like uh, dealing with the thyroid would be like one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other fun fact I learned. Do you remember the candy atomic fireball? No, I do not. You don't remember those little cinnamon ball things? You kind of like suck on them? I remember Red Hots, but no, I don't remember Atomic Fireballs. I was actually, so until I was probably in my 20s, I was allergic to like hot cinnamon. Oh. It would like make my skin break out. Whatever chemical is in it to make it taste like that, I would, it would make me break out. So anyway, a uh, quick fact here, the Atomic Fireball, it's hot cinnamon, whatever, uh, released in the 1950s during the Cold War scares. So <laughs> whenever I see Atomic <laughs> from now on, that's. That's all I can think about. But anyway, continue on here. Let's hear about Mr. Heller. Oh, yeah. So, oh, you were saying about the 1950s. Basically, every single product was advertised with, like, some kind of, like, atomic weapon or something <laughs> like that just to try to sell shit. That's so funny. Definitely. 
Now, the reason why the male reproductive system was chosen to be tested was that the radiation could actually be localized on that certain area of the test subject without having to radiate the subject's entire body. Also, the effects of the radiation in the cells of the testicles could be easily biopsied, and the effects of the radiation in subsequent cell repair and reproduction could be monitored more easily than in any other organ in the body. A pool of subjects were actually chosen by the researchers, which consisted of male members of the Oregon State Prison. Oh, okay, so they... <laughs> uh, when you say prison, I'm just going to assume not voluntary uh that you know they weren't voluntary test subjects we'll get into it they were (laughs) technically they volunteered okay they wanted their fucking balls incinerated by uh (laughs) radiation huh yeah so it's uh it was voluntary, but we'll kind of get into it. You know, there's it's questionable whether, you know, someone in prison in that situation can give consent. So we'll we'll be getting into that pretty big here okay. in a little bit. All right. So All right. I yeah. mean, you've played Fallout, right? Yes. Yep. I definitely. feel like you start radiating men's balls. You might just turn into a goddamn ghoul. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it's like South Park, you know, when they were all just bouncing around on their balls. <laughs> you remember that episode? <laughs> uh no. I uh, I remember the one where Kyle's got balls for kneecaps or whatever. Oh yeah, that's when he uh, he tried to turn himself into an African American to yeah. play basketball better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they put one of his teachers, they had a sex change and he put their testicles for his kneecaps. Yes. Yeah. Classic, yeah. classic episode. No, this was the one where all of the dads in South Park were basically putting their nuts right up against the microwaves, giving themselves testicular cancer. Mm. Then they would just bounce around town on their nuts. So <laughs> I might have to watch that one. Yeah, it's a, it a classic. So state laws throughout the U.S. differed on the use of prisoners for the purposes of medical experiments. And at the time, Oregon's laws were interpreted that a prisoner could give lawful consent to be experimented on. Though, it is not entirely clear how much the test subjects actually knew about what was going to be going on during these trials, as the government did not want these experiments advertised at all, and they relied heavily on the prison's grapevine to spread the word about the trials and what they entailed. Though, when inquiring about the hazards of the experiments, The future subjects were actually told that there wouldn't be really any health risks at all to them, only details on the types of experiments that would be taking place. Uh, Also, the multiple biopsies that would be occurring, the amount of semen and urine samples that they would have to be giving to the researchers, and the fact that the experiments would ultimately end in them getting a vasectomy. This was due to the fear that exposure to this radiation might actually cause genetic defects to the subject's future progeny. Huh, okay. Few asterisks there. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Telling them that there is no harm that will be had to them. uh, Yep. Pretty, I'm assuming even at this point they knew that was a blatant lie. Um. I'm the semen samples. I I assume they asked them to jerk off in a cup. Yes. Yep. Okay. So if you had radiation on your balls, 
<laughs> and then you jerk off. Like, is the semen radiate? I mean, obviously, I would assume the the sperm is all dead or would be all well, dead. I imagine uh, maybe you're like Spider-Man. Maybe it sticks to the wall and you can climb up it easier, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like how Jeff Bezos was born, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> maybe that's why he doesn't have any hair, because of all the radiation he was born from. Immaculate conception between an IBM computer and an <laughs> ATM machine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, I, I guess this is a lot of, I would say, at least unethical things they're doing to these prisoners. Now, Phil, I have one question about the vasectomies. Were they told they were going to get a vasectomy or did they just wake up one day and their balls were disconnected? No, no. They OK. So like I mentioned, they relied heavily on the prison grapevine. Uh, basically rumors about this experiment, you know, this trial. And also they were told that at the end of this experiment, they would be given a vasectomy. Okay. What What did the prisoners get? Did they get like a box of Top Ramen or what? Well, I'm going to get into that. Okay. A, All right. Yeah. Now, as far as the experiments go, Dr. Heller had invented a specialized machine, which would have the subject's scrotum submerged in hot water causing the testicles to descend. And then on either side, x-ray tubes would barrage the subject's sex organs with a low dose of radiation, which would simulate the believed exposure that perhaps an astronaut would receive out in space. Okay, uh, I mean, let's be realistic. As two people who have testicles, yes, you dip them in some warm, or warm hot water might feel kind of nice. But then, yeah, you know, I mean, you're getting shot that, by Marvin the Martian's gun in the water. It's probably not probably not as comfortable. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, it didn't really go into how painful the direct experiment was. Uh, the after effects are kind of go into a little bit, but I don't exactly know how much pain they experienced during uh, these experiments. Also, they were given like some mild sedatives. So who knows really like what they felt. The warm water was meant to, you know, kind of loosen up the scrotum, get everything down so that they could get the full effect from the radiation. Okay, but I honest opinion here. Someone tells you, hey, come on in this room, okay? And you just see this apparatus with, I guess, a hole with warm water in it, right? And the guy's just like, go ahead and just put your balls in there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's... It's got to be a weird feeling, right? Yeah, especially, you know, some of these dudes during the 1960s, maybe they don't quite see as many of the the internet documentaries that we see about possibly these sort of things. Mm. So they have no idea, you know, when they see some kind of saddle apparatus situation going on. I just, Who knows? I just don't. I hope I don't ever go in a room and they're like, just put your balls in that water. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that never happens, but... You know what? Who knows? Definitely. Yeah. Now, these male subjects would be brought into the program after a few rounds of some short tests. Uh, Really, first, they had their seminal fluids taken. Basically, the results, if they had come back healthy, then the subject would be brought in to the radiation phase of the trial. So really, just kind of some quick exams. You know, they tested the seminal fluids. This was after, though, they had went through a psychological examination. 
This would ensure that they understood the full effects of the future sterilization that was to come at the end of the trials. They were also making sure that these men were mentally capable of making that decision for themselves. There was a copy that had to be signed known as a psychiatric examination. This was provided by Harold Bibu and signed with the initials of the examining psychiatrist WHC, which stood for William Harold Cloyd. On this form, William Harold Cloyd stated, Seen for Dr. Heller. Never married. Quite vague about future. He feels he doesn't want children. Shouldn't really have any. And I agree. No contradiction to sterilization. At this point, it kind of sounds like the people who are signing up for this are all for it. And now maybe that's because they think there's no long-term side effects on them. But if we're reading that, does it not sound like they are okay with all of this? Yes. Uh, So they're basically being sent to see the prison psychiatrist. And really, though, when it comes to, let's just say, okay, so they're going to be making money for this experiment. And I'm going to get into it a little bit later. They're going to be making a lot more money than they can with just a regular prison job. So you're not exactly sure if they're just going to say, yeah, whatever, just to get the money. Right. Basically, it's kind of the problem. You really can't give your full consent when you don't have full freedom. Gotcha. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Don't you think people on the out, if they were people who weren't in jail and there was money to be had, they probably would sign up for this, too, to be honest with you. I don't think that they would have taken the little amount of money that these men were given. So in prison, that money that they were given is kind of a lot of money. But, you know, when you're free and you can go make your own money doing whatever, it's not really that much. So, yeah, I guess I don't know quite yet how much the exact amount is. Maybe we'll wait till we hear all that and then we'll come back to that point. Oh, yeah. So uh, another kind of like little roadblock These men would also have to be seen by the prison's Roman Catholic chaplain. This was in order to ensure that the subject was not Roman Catholic. Now, you may be thinking that the church would have some objections to the resulting sterilization, or possibly the radiation testing on their people's testicles. However, you would be incorrect, as the stamp of approval was because of the church's objection to collecting semen samples due to masturbation. That's what they care. The ultimate sin. Yes, definitely. The sin that most of us commit on a daily basis, Phil, is going to keep us out of heaven. Yep. Keeps you straight out of fucking heaven. Yeah. And I'm sure that Roman Catholic chaplain just had a, you know, just a strictly, you know, pure life before he went to that prison or even in that prison. I'm sure he had nothing, you know, you know, nothing but wanting to spread the faith with those prisoners. I mean, honestly, when you said Roman Catholic, whatever, My first thought was that they were only opposed to it because then that person cannot have children and then those children cannot be indoctrinated to the church. And then once they're indoctrinated to the church, they uh, they can't get the money. So, but I guess uh, masturbation, interesting. They take such a hard stance on that. I doubt they do anymore, but yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah. Not publicly. I imagine they probably (laughs) still hate it privately. Yeah. I'm some of them. With the Atomic Energy Commission kind of being in charge of this experiment, they had some like prerequisites that they wanted to lay forth to Dr. Heller when it came to how much radiation was used. 
they actually suggested to start the dosage at 600 REMS and steadily increase as the study progressed. Though Dr. Heller disagreed, and he actually placed a ceiling of 600 REMS of radiation on the tests, like no more than that. He only wanted to administer what he considered a low dose of radiation poisoning, less than what is now given to treat cancerous tumors for radiation therapy. Okay, so his bosses, I guess, more or less, they wanted him to just blast them hard and strong right from the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then just keep fucking turning the knob on it higher and higher. So that, yeah, definitely. So the entire point of this experiment here is simply to see the effects of radiation on potentially on astronauts in space, correct? Yes. And also, you know, potentially people working in a nuclear power plant or making maybe people who kind of work in fields where they're dealing with radioactive material. Like workers... At the Atomic Fireball candy yes. factory. Um, Definitely. Yeah, they're, they're in a lot of danger, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really just kind of looking at the endocrine system and how your, like, how your endocrine system can bounce back from this radiation over time. Gotcha. I mean, to be fair, it would be really hard to get a pig to put his balls in warm water and, like, sit there, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Or even a mouse. To, you have to sedate him first. Or, you know, I don't know, have fucking, maybe it's a pig from Wisconsin and they're just <laughs> full of cheese. Honestly, you grew up in a farm. Pig balls get, can get pretty fucking big. Oh, yeah, definitely. So at this point, you might actually be wondering, what would make these prisoners interested in this kind of experimentation? Well, the compensation for the biopsies was apparently a whopping $25 for each round of, you know, having cells taken out of their testicles, of which usually consisted of about five rounds on average. The subjects were then paid an additional $25 at the end of the trial, right after they received their mandatory vasectomy. So a minimal, for A to B on this, minimum payout would have been about $150? Yeah, I mean, they got an average, it said, of about five. So some of them maybe had like four or five. Some of them maybe had, you know, more than five. But yeah, you could expect about 150 bucks. Okay. Um, so I'm at the, oh, I was going to say at the time, uh, prison jobs paid about 25 cents a day. I, isn't that more than what they get now? Don't they get like five cents an hour for working? I think I, I, I don't exactly know how much prisoners make. But yeah, they make far less than minimum wage. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure prisoners now for working, it's like it's cents per hour. I'm almost positive. Um, yeah, it's definitely less than a dollar an hour, unless there's a like a corporation that comes in and uses prison labor. Then usually those jobs are kind of the coveted one, and they give them something stupid that disrupts the economy. They give them like five dollars an hour or something. Okay. I mean, that's more than I expected, but uh, yeah, all of all of my research comes from the show Orange is the New Black. So <laughs> when when the panty company came in, yeah. and had the girls sewing panties. So I'm just gonna say this, Phil. In in my opinion, there would definitely be people in the free world who would agree to do this shit for 150 dollars, which is I'm gonna just 
take a wild guess being like a thousand or two thousand dollars now. Um, like in nowadays money. Oh, in nowadays money, yeah, about okay. So let's say you didn't have a job and you didn't quite have the skills that you have, and you know prospects weren't great. Right? How much would you need to be offered if you knew full well all everything about this experiment? How much would they need to offer you for you to to take this this gig? Oh, um, God, what would I need? Probably like twenty thousand. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, 20 grand seems if I had no prospects, if I, you know, didn't uh, didn't have a good job, you know, no, no real skills. I'd say about 20 grand would probably put me over the fence. See, here's the thing. You might be different than me. The vasectomy thing. I don't even want kids, so I don't think that would bother me. The chance of obviously we know now radiation exposure can actually lead to cancer, even though it helps battle cancer. Yeah. So that's a little scary. well, fuck, in order to do this experiment, you would have to take the cell phone out of your pocket. So that's true, very <laughs> radiating. True. Your, I mean, it's a different kind of radiation. It's electromagnetic radiation. But it's I mean, basically, you have a fucking cell phone right next to your balls every day. Well, this so. sounded like similar. I mean, I don't know how much radiation you're exposed to when you get an X-ray, but I guess I don't really know. I can't ima- I imagine it's because you can't have X-rays all the time. I imagine it's quite a bit. Yeah, and if you are an x-ray tech at the hospital, you basically stand behind a lead wall (laughs) when the x-ray machine is going. I love that, where they're like, all right, put on the lead vest. I'm going to go behind this (laughs) fucking wall with all these protective windows and everything. Don't worry, just (laughs) look forward. And then it's like a quick click. Um, But but yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. I honestly, I probably wouldn't do this either way myself, but. I can, there's definitely people who are desperate enough to do this shit. Yeah. I mean, really the vasectomy, I don't really want kids either. So not that bad. A free vasectomy might actually kind of be enticing. The radiation to your balls doesn't sound great, but the thing that sounds worse is having five biopsies on your testicle. That sounds pretty fucking terrible. So these are uh, like the type where they're actually sticking it through the scrotal sac and taking it from the testicle itself. Yeah, these are the 1960s version of this, too. So it's extremely invasive. It's not yeah. like now where they can just go in and, you know, pinpoint, you know, cells and get a scraping. Right. This is like they're opening your shit up. So Ooh. where I work, they do biopsies all the time. But um, yeah, obviously, yeah, the, the tools they have, it doesn't require much flesh to get a biopsy. Yeah. It's definitely a lot less invasive than it was 60 years ago. Right. Now, in total, Dr. Heller experimented on 67 prisoners over the 10 years that the experiment had taken place. This was between 1963 and 1973, with the trial ending after it was decided that prisoners were incapable of consenting to medical experimentation. Now, in 1976... A lawsuit would be filed by prisoners claiming that the experiments had caused pain that was not previously disclosed before the trials began. Also, that the research was conducted very unprofessionally, with some of the prisoners even being allowed to administer drugs to others' test subjects in the trial. Yeah, you, you can't do that. <laughs> no, can't definitely do not. That. It, they, I mean, even in prisons today, they're not going to let prisoners you know, be the ones who give other prisoners their recommended drugs. 
You know, uh, that's they're not going to let them anywhere near the track. I think in the 50s, people, 50s, 60s, people were just way too trustworthy of each other. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it was the easy thing to do. Yeah. You know, oh shit, we have to hire someone to come in and, you know, fill up the syringes and inject them in the IVs. No, we can just have, we'll just give some prisoner a fucking three hour workshop and teach them <laughs> how to do it. Now, there was one instance recorded in the lawsuit. Uh, this was in which a prisoner who apparently had had a vendetta against another prisoner who was actually set to have his vasectomy that day was given the chance to fill the syringe with the sedative Novocaine. Instead of putting Novocaine in that syringe, he actually filled it with water. This forced the prisoner to undergo a vasectomy without any sedation at all. Woo, okay, yeah, ouch. That would yep, hurt. Definitely. Not a fun, not, yeah, <laughs> not like, a fun experience at all. Like, no, like as far as The I, most painful thing I can think of. So- from as far as I know now from people who've had vasectomies, you know, it's like a little slit and then they like sear um, or burn the little tubes, I guess, that go into your testicles. So it's like kind of, I don't even think you get put under anymore for it, but. No, it's, it's like a local anesthesia. You're awake the whole. Yeah. It's like so. a bam, bam, bam. And then you yep. smell your balls burning and then you're out of there. That's what I've heard. You get to smell your flesh burning, but it's real quick back here, yeah. back this time. It's it had to be a little bit messier. Oh, definitely. And like nowadays, I mean, they are they're numbing the area. You know, you don't feel anything. You're still awake. Back then, I don't know if you were still awake or if they because Novocaine is well, I mean, OK, so what we all as kids got, you know, for when we had our teeth pulled or drilled, they called it Novocaine. It wasn't actual Novocaine. It was kind of like the, you know, it didn't have basically like the cocaine type drug in it that the Novocaine back then had. That was like the real shit. So, I mean, maybe they used Novocaine to numb the area. Maybe you were still awake, but that would be extremely painful. I I think they might use lidocaine. Lidocaine? Wow. lidocaine. Okay, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I'm not huge into the medical stuff, so. That's the shit I hear about a lot, like lidocaine to nerve certain areas. Oh, okay, to numb certain areas. Yeah, yeah, like uh, not just your gums, but also like um, different parts of your body and things like that. Okay, yeah. So these cases were actually settled outside of court three years later in 1979 for a whopping $2,215, which would be shared between nine of the plaintiffs. Okay, um, nine... Out of 67, I mean, I guess the other ones didn't sue him, but yeah, there feels was like you should pay so, all of them. So there was uh, nine of the plaintiffs settled and got money. I do believe that there were a few more than nine people who sued. I don't know if they followed through completely uh, with their claims or if something happened or if or if maybe they just never settled. But yeah, nine of the people who sued shared $2,215. Still not so, a lot. I mean, it is it is back then money, which is a little bit more now. But even if you kind of calculate it in today's money, it doesn't seem like a lot. So I calculated the old money, the 150 from 1960. That was about $1,500. Um, this 1979 inflation had grown quite a bit. Yep. I would still assume 
2200 is probably maybe like four grand, I would guess, nowadays, somewhere in there, maybe more. But, uh, but yeah, it's not that much. No, not that much. Actually, that'd be a good thing to calculate. But I mean, it's still, even if it's, say, it's, you know, times 10 and it's like $22,000 split between nine people in today's money that's it's not a lot at all no not not at all in fact i you i'll do it for you right now let's okay. say 2200 in 1979 it is i i'm way fucking off <laughs> yeah you were way off eight thousand eight hundred fifty seven dollars and 45 cents oh even i was way off i was way too high yeah only eight grand okay Damn. yeah that's not that's not good at all how the percentage of inflation since 1979 is 302%. Holy shit. Yeah, and it's probably gone up like crazy in the past <laughs> yeah. two years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, after the end of these trials, there wasn't really any follow up examinations of the prisoners that ever officially took place, even though Dr. Heller and his assistants had wished for the updates to occur. This was mostly because the government didn't think that the expense would be necessary. Also claiming that finding the now former prisoners involved in the experiments would be nearly impossible. Though it's far more likely that the authorities probably just wanted to bury the study, unwilling to expose themselves to future lawsuits. Yeah, come on. They had to have wrote down their names, probably like basic information about them, just to do the study, right? I mean, they... What did they identify him by balls? Like they had to have some fucking information on the prisoners. Yeah. Also, they were in the prison system. So, yeah, though, like, you know, we've both read a lot about, you know, like the serial killers and criminals from back then. It was very easy just to change your name and move to a new state back then. You just very call true. yourself Steve now and move to Colorado. And now you're Steve from Colorado. They so. had fucking paper IDs. So, I mean, yep. you could do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah with a fucking eraser and a number two pencil you could pretty much change your whole life <laughs> now there would actually be a, a small effort uh back in 1990 there was a plan put into place to mount a full-fledged follow-up examination of all of the surviving prisoners by oregon state officials Though that plan never went into effect, as it was decided that the funds really just weren't available for such an action. So, yeah, it just would have cost too much money. It, it's it's interesting because when you think of Oregon now, it's probably one of the most progressive liberal states, probably in the whole country. It's probably the biggest one. And Well, I'm, what? as long as you stay within 30 miles of the coast. Oh, you're, say, you're saying as long as you're within Portland? Pretty much as long as you're on the coast, maybe. Um, that's pretty much all of those Pacific states. As long as you are like within 50 miles of the coast, you're kind of in like maybe some liberal progressive areas. But once you get into the center of those states, even California, you know, when you get into the fucking backwoods or the, the back roads of California, it starts looking a little bit more like fucking New Mexico out but there. But what so. I'm saying is for like the state laws... Oh, yeah. yeah. I I don't think you can beat Oregon. So and this is like some I mean, what they did here, in in my opinion, some very backwoods shit um, yeah. that you it's hear just about. another excuse, though, to bury it. Oh, you mean like to act like they couldn't didn't want to go through the hassle of finding survivors? Yeah. Claiming that it would be too expensive. I think that they were still just trying to bury it. 
pretend like nothing ever happened, not very, give themselves any further attention on it. Very, I mean, very possible. Definitely. Yeah. So kind of like rounding that out, it has also been concluded that the small 600 rem dose of radiation to the subject's testicles were not really significant enough to cause any cancerous cells to mutate in the future. Uh, with the subject whom received the most radiation only experiencing an increase of cancer risk of about four hundredths of one percent. With the subjects whom were administrated less radiation, obviously he ha- having even less of a risk than that. Okay, so, so I was uh, I was incorrect then. Yeah, I mean it's supposedly from what they claim. Also, you got to think though too. We really don't know exactly how precise. So Dr. Heller invented this machine himself. We don't exactly know how precise this machine was in administering the x-ray. So I was kind of thinking about this too. How many times did they accidentally have the machine set too high? You know, how many times was there a a burnt out x-ray bulb and it just kind of, you know, flashed the dude's nuts. So who knows? Right. Well, um, I mean, yeah, you're you're right. It was 1960. More than likely, they they were either high or drunk, possibly oh. even on some sort of hallucinogen while they were doing these experiments. Not the prisoners necessarily, but the scientists. So who the fuck knows what they were doing? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and too, maybe they just wanted to see what happened. You know, if they just kicked it past 600 a bit. Right. So. Right. Now, at the same time that the Oregon experiments were being conducted. Ongoing trials were also occurring across the border in the state of Washington, with prisoners there also volunteering for similar similar experiments in radiation testing. With both trials ending around the same time, due mostly to changing moods when it came to the use of human subjects for dangerous medical experiments, especially those that cannot totally consent to the trials, such as prisoners and other wards of the state, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Um, I I guess I I kind of agree with that. I I think the prisoners one's kind of a gray area if they have their faculties. You know. Um, yes. It's like they are humans. They can comprehend things, but I guess when you're unable to leave your predicament, it kind of, like you said, brings it brings it into question. Are you you're not really. You're free to make the choice, but you're not really free as far as like living situation, right? Yes. Yeah. Also, they weren't really told about the risks and they really were kind of dealt a bad hand when it came to like the professionalism of this experiment. Having other prisoners pretty much be in charge of certain aspects of the the scientific experiment really, you know, it's kind of a shitty deal. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. You could. I mean, yeah, that is really bad you can't just let prisoners work on each other definitely uh so another little thing about the washington experiment that took place at the exact same time there was actually someone who was in the trials in washington who came forward who claimed that he did have ongoing pain in his testicles uh due to his time in the experiments though they actually think that it might have more to do with the biopsies yeah. that were done on his balls rather than the radiation uh, that when you've said that the pain that's the first thing that came to my mind if you're poking and prodding a sensitive thing like a testicle yeah you could get scar tissue or hit a nerve in there or like anything like that you know what i mean 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, along with the Oregon and Washington prison radiation trials, other scientific and medical experiments were happening during the exact same time period all over the country. Uh, they really didn't stop, though, at receiving consent from subjects who happened to be serving time in prison. Okay, what other type of subjects are we talking about, Phil? Well, first, heading out to the East Coast, there were 23 inmates at the Paddocksons Prison in Jessup, Maryland. I probably said that incorrectly, but <laughs> I love care. it. I love it. Paddocksons. They were exposed via a nasal spray to the Asiatic flu. This was done by federal researchers, uh, really in an effort to compare their reaction to and recovery from the illness. They were also compared against 32 other inmates that had also been previously exposed to the flu, but these 32 inmates had been treated with a new vaccine. Okay, now in this situation, they didn't tell them that they were exposing them to that flu? I do not believe, no. So these okay. are kind of short little ones that don't, didn't get much coverage. There was never really any lawsuits to kind of open them up. Um, I believe that the 23 inmates who were exposed to the Asiatic flu, like didn't really consent to any of this. Uh, yeah. The 32 other inmates, I believe that they were in a trial for the new vaccine. Though. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really fucked up if they just like somehow got them the, or, you know, expose them to the flu. I imagine um, during that time, there's a definite chance of dying from the flu. Yeah, this is, I mean, so it's not kind of like the standard flu that we're all, you know, everyone kind of gets the flu every once in a while. This is a, a really virulent flu, apparently. Yeah. That was causing a lot of people, you know, a lot of pain and suffering. I mean, obviously people die from the flu even to this day, but when the hell, when the treatments were even worse, you know, yeah. You could, uh, any of them you could fucking die from. Oh, definitely. And it's just the fact that they were just, they were giving them this flu and then not treating them with the vaccine just to see, like, as a comparison to these other 32 people who had the flu and were given the treatment yeah. to see how it would fuck them up. It's really so, fucked up. Yeah. Now, going down south to Atlanta in the 1950s, government researchers would infect about 24 prison inmates with gonorrhea. They would do this by pumping the bacteria that causes the disease into their urethra, comparing it to how the infection affected them as compared to men whom had had contracted gonorrhea through normal sexual contact, later treating the volunteers for their STIs. This was before publishing their findings in the Journal of American Medical Association, which made claims that this method of infection was really less effective than the normal method of contracting gonorrhea, which was through sexual contact. Okay, I so far out of the three of these, I think this one's the most fucked up um, so far. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Having, I mean, I believe that in this experiment, I believe that they were um, actually like signing up for this, but for it's gonorrhea? just gonorrhea. Yeah. I don't know if they were actually signing up for gonorrhea, but how could you, like if you were in prison, went to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, I gotta, I gotta stick this tube up your dick and, you know, put some shit in there. You're, you might fight back from it. So I think these guys probably had to sign some kind of consent for, for this or something. Ooh. I don't know. That's just my brain trying to think. I don't it. know why they didn't just like, set up a research facility 
around where the Jersey Shore kids were. And there's plenty of gonorrhea going on there. I mean, I don't know. They wouldn't have even had to infect anybody. They could just ask them to see their penis. Well, so the experiment was seeing how an infection with gonorrhea bacteria being pumped into your dick differed from you catching it from, you know, vaginal intercourse. Okay. That's that's why. Yeah. So basically the, the guys who were... The guys who they were comparing it against had already caught gonorrhea. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they they did find some Jersey Shore bros, basically, <laughs> with gonorrhea, but they needed other people to try to test out this, you know, other method. Well, maybe they could just infection. offer like tickets for free tanning sessions if they That's let them true. infect them with gonorrhea. Give them a free blowout for their hair. Definitely. <laughs> there you go. This happened in Atlanta, not not <laughs> New Jersey, by the way. Right, right. Now, like I previously mentioned, the use of prisoners for medical experiments really fell out of fashion during the early 1970s. This happened after a very widely covered set of congressional hearings happened in 1973, in which the pharmaceutical industry officials acknowledged really that they were using prisoners for this medical testing due to the fact that prisoners were much cheaper than chimpanzees. Yikes. Okay, that is yep. not a good statement. Um, no, statement did not age well at no. all. No. Uh, here's the thing, though. Also, on the same hand, literally the most American explanation ever, honestly. If it's cheaper, oh, does it? The moral anything, repercussions, they don't matter at all, as long as it's cheaper. Yeah, really, it's, it's fucking disgusting. But you can totally see it happening, you know, back in the fucking 50s and 60s with these types of people, you know, mm-hmm. the, the types of people who would do human testing before they even tested it on animals, that sort of thing. So <sighs> it was cheaper to do it on people who we basically is pretty much what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, they're locked up. They probably feel really desperate in some cases or or whatever, you know, to get any sort of money, things like that. So. Yeah, it's yep. it's pretty bad. Yep, and we can give them a tiny bit of money, and it'll mean a, a lot to them. So people who are free on the outside, you have to give them much more compensation. Right, right. Now, next up, we're going to be talking about something that is unbelievably, it can get even more disgusting than the things that we've previously mentioned. Uh, really, more than the coercion of imprisoned adult men kind of like forcing them almost to submit themselves to medical studies pretty much for cigarette money. From 1963 through 1966, mentally challenged children attending the Willowbrook State School, I'm just going to call it the Willowbrook State School because its its full name did not age well, were intentionally given hepatitis either orally or injected to test whether the disease could be treated with gamma globulin. Uh, This was a protein fraction of blood serum containing many antibodies that protect against bacterial and viral infectious disease. Whoa, that is really bad. Yes. Was this a government thing or was it like a private company doing it or what? I believe so. There wasn't really a ton that was kind of like told about this. It was kind of kept on the, the low a bit. But I believe, I don't believe it was the government. I believe it was a pharmaceutical company working with this school. Okay. Yeah, these, I mean, obviously, special needs kids 
literally, you know, most of them consent is just not even possible, especially if they're in, I would assume, a special school um, like this or, or whatever like that. Yeah, that is really bad. Definitely. You're talking about children who are as vulnerable, probably as an infant. Yeah, pretty much absolutely. the ability to give consent. It's just it's fucking terrible. And hepatitis like that shit will kill you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, now we we pretty much have A and B list. I believe C can still kill you, but I do believe that there are treatments you can get. Yeah, there C. there is treatments for to cure hep C. It's just from what I've heard. You basically have to be dying before they'll give it to you. Otherwise, if you want the treatment, it's like $60,000 for the pills. That's also fucking disgusting. Yeah. That's some Shurlucky fucking bullshit. Absolutely. Also, kind of in the same vein, in 1942, a study was co-offered by Dr. Jonas Salk, who a decade later would become famous as the inventor of the polio vaccine. Now, this happened at a Michigan insane asylum in Ypsilanti, Michigan. This is where male residents of the asylum were injected with a new flu vaccine. Then, a few months later, they were infected with several different forms of the flu to see how well the vaccine was actually working inside their systems. I honestly felt, I gotta say, obviously that's really, really fucked up too. Um... But I'm really disheartened because I thought the guy who made the polio vaccine was the last, like, honest, good person who did that type of thing. And now, because I think he gave the polio vaccine out for free, if I remember correctly. But um, yes, that's the reason pretty much why polio completely eradicated in most areas around the world. It's because he never, he didn't make a cent. Off. He could have been a fucking billionaire. Pretty much. Um, but now he was doing this fucked up shit to uh, clearly mentally ill people. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how much, like how involved. So it said that he basically co-authored by Dr. Jonas Salk. So not exactly sure how involved with it he was. Um, it did mention him, obviously, because most famous person involved with it. Yeah. So who knows? Like, was he the director of this or was he just kind of like on the sidelines for this? But definitely you got to look at the year 1942. It's one of those deals where this was kind of during the, you know, the worst of times. Pretty yeah, much. absolutely. So they gave no fucks. No, back then. no, absolutely. Even less no. fucks than in the 60s. So absolutely. But uh but yeah, it's if we had more people in regards to like advancement of medicine like this guy, at least with the polio vaccine, the world would be a much better place. But unfortunately, we just too many people just trying to make money. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's just the fact that really a lot of these things that kind of go uncured, but heavily treated like AIDS is, is right. one thing. I really that's a big conspiracy that there is an AIDS vaccine that they're hiding from us because of how much money pharmaceutical companies make off of AIDS treatment. So hopefully that's all just bullshit. Hopefully they're still looking for a vaccine, but Jesus Christ, if that's, if that's true, that would be, I mean, that's something that you'd be talking about in 50 years as one of the most cruel and terrible fucking things. I actually think 
uh, HIV is like way down, isn't it now? Yes, it is. But I believe it's uncurable. Yes. Yes. So you can you can treat it. But once HIV, like one, you can, okay, so if you have HIV, they can basically treat you to the point where you're never going to catch AIDS, but you're just always going to have HIV for the Yes, yeah. Kind of like Magic Johnson's still alive and healthy as hell, like decades after he caught it back in like 1991 or something like that. See, I, I obviously don't know that much, but I thought the last I heard, they had it to the point where, let's say you had it. Um, you can, you take this medication as far as your body knows, you're HIV free, right? Um, and you can't transmit it to other people when you, oh. as long as you're like taking this stuff. So it's basically doesn't exist or your body doesn't think it exists within you. But if you don't take the medication, then it'll come back obviously. But yeah. it's like, it's beaten down to a point where it's almost not existent in you. And you can, okay. I don't think you can transmit it. As long as you're taking this medication, I believe, obviously, don't take my word for it because I'm not an HIV scientist, but uh, yeah. I, th I thought that's where I, where I heard their medication is now. Okay, I hadn't heard that. Uh, one thing I would wonder is how does that, that cost? That I don't know. As long as that Martin Screlly asshole exists, <laughs> I'm sure quite yeah, a bit. Definitely. Uh, so getting back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about. Apparently, the men involved in the study were described as senile and debilitated and really didn't have any understanding of what was being done to them. Yeah, this is just as bad as uh, the the special needs kids they were doing this shit to. Honestly, it's just yeah, somebody who's well, not when, in control of their faculties like, yeah, I don't, it's just fucked up. Oh, definitely, too. And I mean, aside from being experimented on, the kind of places where people with these kind of mental disabilities lived back then were fucking terrible. Oh, the absolutely. Conditions. I mean, we talk about we talked about it a little bit in a previous episode. And I think you guys talked about it on Bumblebutt, but it was fucking horrific. The, yeah. the conditions that people were living in in these asylums. Yeah, because they wanted to just throw money at it and make them disappear. You know, um, yep. and then the government, there's always a big fight whether they should get funding or not. And yeah, yep. it's it was bad. I mean, they don't necessarily treat them great now, but it's significantly better than it was. Oh, it's fucking weeks better than the way it used to be. Yeah, it's I mean, especially if your family has money, If your family oh, has absolutely. money, then, yeah, you're you know, it's, it's going to be a, a great place. But Back then, it was pretty much just like a leprechaun. Just get him out of sight, out of sight, out of mind situation. Right. right. So kind of I was talking about how in the 1970s, even the prisoners weren't allowed to be on, be, be experimented on anymore with consent. You would think that at that time, they would just say, OK, well, let's just move on experimenting on chimpanzees, pigs, lab rats, that sort of thing. Really, what they did was. Uh, this will also be another episode because it's fucking horrendous. They moved overseas and out oh. of country and they were able to kind of just do their experimentation on um, foreign populations of people. And just even even more horrific than kind of like what we were talking about. There is uh, not going to spoil it, really. There is a story in um, about pregnant women in Nigeria who were deprived of AIDS medication. And Ooh, man. I was reading through some of it and it has to be its own episode. 
It's fucking terrible. Yeah, that sounds fucked up. Definitely. And also another thing I did not mention, which deserves its own episode, is the Tuskegee syphilis study uh, in which uh, African-American men, about 600 of them who were infected with syphilis, were deprived of the cure long after it became readily available. Basically, the local hospitals were even told not to treat these men who had syphilis for years. Yeah, yeah, that obviously that's a very famous one. We'll have to cover that one day because that is a that's a big fucked up one there. Oh, definitely. It's just it was so big. It deserves its own episode. But it was one of those deals where I couldn't go without mentioning it. Right. It would be absolutely. like that. It would lack if I if I, you know, didn't mention it. So, um, you know what? I'm just going to say this. I think you've changed my mind a little bit. In the beginning of the episode, it's like, okay, I guess if the prisoners agreed to it, then maybe they should be allowed to do it. But you know what? I'm just going to say none of that. No doing it. Definitely no doing it on, like, uh, special needs kids or people with mental illnesses or don't have control of their faculties. Obviously, I'm pretty sure now we've got a lot better handle on stopping people from doing this type of thing. Um, <laughs> within the United States. Yeah, with as far as we, we know. Do. That's the sad thing, is it still apparently is, hopefully not in the past two decades, but from kind of like the articles that I was reading back in the like mid-2000s, like this stuff was apparently still going on. Really? So, yeah. Like America? Like America doing it in a different country? Yeah, American pharmaceutical companies doing this shit. And I'll in that later episode we'll talk. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Definitely. Yeah, we've yeah. been uh we've been going for quite a while here. Well, Phil, any closing comments from yourself? Uh no, not really. It's just, you know, I've been reading basically been reading medical reports over the past four days and I'm pretty fucked disgusted it's uh <laughs> i didn't know a lot of this stuff you know i i've obviously heard about the tuskegee experiments but uh the these other things i knew they happened i didn't know the details excellent episode anybody uh want to give us their comments on this these uh i guess forced medical experiments kind of where can they do that phil they can hit us up on our email subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com uh, we love to hear from everybody. It's great, you know, all the encouragement, all the nice words that you guys give us. Really, I mean, the episode ideas are great, too. Even if they're, you know, even if you don't think that we're going to use it, we might actually take that idea, go in a little bit of a different direction, and make something great out of it. So keep that up. Uh, we also have an Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Also, a great way to get a hold of us. Love all the support, all the likes, all the shares, everything like that. It's really starting to kick off a little bit, actually. So after quite a bit of a drought, we're getting a lot of messages lately. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Zabub. Hit me up, throw me show ideas, all of that good stuff. Appreciate everybody who chats with me. Um, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say, just type, uh, I love this show, five stars. We greatly appreciate everyone who's taking the time to do it. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just hit the five-star, hit the submit, and you're done. And we greatly appreciate everyone who's taking the time to do that as well. Well, Phil, excellent episode, very educational I'm kind of looking into the dark 
darker side of American science sometimes here. Yeah, thank you. Also, I was going to say, if you do leave a review, it would be great to hear how much money you would accept to have your balls radiated. <laughs> that would be a great thing to leave in the room. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>